This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome into another edition of Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. I am Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Twitter, and we're joined by. Showtime Cappers, Matt Siegel. You can get him at Showtime Cappers on Twitter. We are wrapping up your Labor Day weekend or beginning your week, however you want to look at it. Six of one, half a dozen of another. A lot of college football to get to today. We'll give you an early look ahead to the NFL kickoff game on Thursday night between the Bears and the Packers. Of course, talking baseball, final month of the regular season, sprinkling in a U.S. Open second week business end of the tournament chat as well. Matt, it's good to talk to you again. How are we doing? Greg, what's going on, my man? How's your weekend? Not much, dude. Good weekend back here on the East Coast, getting caught up with the family and some buddies from back home for the holiday. And, you know, next thing you know, we will be, obviously, it's an exciting time for us here on the pod, but really everybody will just be hitting the ground running with the fall now, kind of the, as everybody likes to say, the unofficial end to the summer this Labor Day weekend. Yeah, man, uh, dude, it's it's always it's always a shame when Labor Day weekend comes to an end. It's it really, emotions, you know, because it, now it that really is. out of school, I think feel like it's easier to not have to, you know, wake up on that Tuesday morning with a bunch of school staring you right in the face until Thanksgiving, and you can kind of just enjoy the fact that football's here. So mixed emotions for sure, though, as it always is tough, regardless of where you're at in life, to say goodbye to the summer. Yeah, it really is, you know, and then when that weather starts uh, turning cold and the sun starts yeah. getting away, you know, the vibes just turn downward. But, hey, that's why football's back in the fall, baby. Football's back in the winter, and that's what we got to look forward to. Now we're not looking forward to the beach on the weekends. We're looking forward to the gridiron. We're looking forward to some tailgates, and let's talk some college football, Greg. Let's do it. So, obviously, college football week one in the books, and Matt and I gave out several picks on Saturday I guess let's start right there, Matt, uh, with what you were betting over the weekend. What were things that went your way, things that blew up in your face, anything in between? Um, yeah, so I'm just going to get right to it, right? So um, one of my favorite bets of the weekend was one of the first uh, games of the Saturday. Ohio State first half kicked off at noon. Um, covered the first half, that minus 17 with ease. Jumped out to a 28-point lead in the first quarter. Um they actually really didn't look that good after they jumped out to a 28-point lead. But, hey, I think that's something that we really spoke about uh, last week, how these teams, especially, you know, these really good teams at home, like we said with Justin Fields, the transfer, new quarterback transfer, they unleash the dogs right away, and then they kind of take their foot off the gas. They kind of just cruise to a W. I mean, 28 nothing in the first quarter. You don't really come back from that. Although FAU um, did win the rest of the game, actually, but hey, that's that's why we bet the first quarter, right? And they did um they did end up not covering the game. So it it went really exactly to script here, you know, Ohio State took the foot off the gas. But Justin Fields, he still, you know, he still had a good day and Ohio State looked good. They they definitely looked like a top five team in the country, and I'm really excited to keep them uh keep an eye on them throughout the year. You know, yeah, another I'm right there with you on that game. I gave out that over and that cashed with relative ease. Uh, Justin Fields, as you said, looked to step right in and uh, perform. Obviously, some bigger challenges 
in the future, but he came out and, and as, as, as we've discussed, it was, it had that feel of, you know, the new car that you just get from the dealer and, and you're breaking it out and, and everybody's, you know, can tell, oh, it's a perfect way to put it. Bad, there's way. a new Mustang or whatever, right? And, and that's what he was. So, uh, excited to see how he does moving forward when the stakes get higher in the Big Ten, but absolutely a good first impression for Fields. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, I'm excited for this Ohio State team this year. I'll go to one of my games that uh, we were both on in different uh, game periods, and you uh, ended up cashing, and I got boned in the second half. Uh, gave out Florida State minus the six and a half at home against the Boise State Broncos. Florida State gets out to a great start. The quarterback, James Blackman, looked anything like the inexperienced starting quarterback that he is. 327 yards and three touchdowns. Florida State rolls to a 31 to 19 lead at halftime, but the wheels fall off in the second half. Florida State goes scoreless in the second half to 17 points for Boise State in that second half to win outright. A shocker for me as I had no problem laying close to a touchdown with the Seminoles. Uh, young quarterback Hank Bachmeyer makes me eat some crow for the Broncos as he throws for over 400 yards. Just one touchdown, but Certainly a busy day for him through the air. Boise State comes back to win the game. Good for you being on Florida State in the first half. I didn't have any problem taking him full game. And sure enough, that comes back to bite me. A bit of a surprise for sure, though, seeing the Broncos go to Tallahassee, as that was supposed to be a neutral site game. They end up going to Tallahassee. Uh, thanks to the hurricane, they move it to uh, the campus for Florida State. It doesn't make a difference. Boise State, a very impressive week one win. Yeah, uh, I mean, you said it. I had Florida State on the first half. You know, it wasn't one I gave out on the pod, but I gave it out on the Twitter uh, day of. So, you know, all my listeners out there, you know, most of you guys are coming over for Twitter, but make sure you have those notifications on. You don't want to be missing the plays on days of. Now, to get to one of my another play that I gave out on the pod last week, had Old Miss plus five. This was an interesting one, Greg. I don't know if you caught caught any news of this game, but. Obviously, there's a, there's some big line moving in this game. You know, open at six, close at three and a half. I was able to snag it early at five, and luckily that's where the game finished at, 15 to 10. Memphis won at home, um, and I got the push there. It was actually, I was really happy with this push, you know. Normally, uh, we like to call pushes. It's just like you're kissing, uh, kissing your step cousin, but, <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it, 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 they were up. Memphis was up 13-0 at half. Ole Miss looked dead. They looked like they had nothing. Um, their quarterback was pathetic all game. Nine of 19, 93 yards and one interception. I swear, I think you could have played a better game out there, Greg. <laughs> um, but hey, somehow we snagged the push. We scored 10 in the, in the second half. And, you know, obviously Memphis got a nice little safety, uh, to make that a five point game. I actually thought we were going to snake out there with a W and it was 13 to 10 at one point. But hey, I can't complain about a push. When this old Miss team uh, clearly was not ready to play, and again, a push means no money out of my pocket, and I can't complain about that. Yeah, and, and Ole Miss, I think, I think taking the points was a smart move there, uh, especially when you start getting up over a field goal. There were some new coordinators that they brought in on the offensive side of the ball, but I, I think for the most part, uh, your idea, you know, the process was right in taking an SEC dog against a group of five teams, but Ole Miss has been a program that obviously has been in some well-documented turmoil the last five years, so not saying I necessarily agreed with them being a five-point dog on the road against Memphis, but not also not the type of team that I feel comfortable winning outright in those spots. So I think uh, that was smart to take the points and obviously uh, got in when you did able to get the push on that one. Another bet for me that um, I wanted to touch on uh, is going to be our our consensus play. I mean, gosh, probably the biggest beat of the weekend. Uh, Florida. That was wild, Greg. I couldn't believe what I saw. Uh, Northwestern plus the six and a half against the Stanford Cardinal, and, you know, it was a low-scoring game. Fortunately, I also gave out that game under the total, which cashed very easily. Uh, but the full-game line on Northwestern looked pretty safe late in the game when Northwestern, despite not being able to get much going at all offensively, they were able to snag a late touchdown and turn a 10 nothing deficit into a 10-7 deficit. And with where we were at the game, it was getting to the point when Stanford, who led 10 nothing after three quarters, sees that lead trimmed to a field goal, and you're thinking, well, Stanford's just going to go to clock-killing mode and try and get out of there 
with a victory on its home turf. And that's kind of the way it played out. Northwestern gets one last gasp to try and get into field goal range, and that goes awry in a big way as they, uh, obviously the beat that I'm sure everybody has seen by now, a fumble from Northwestern gets scooped up in the end zone, and uh, North, and Stanford not only wins, but ends up getting the cover, uh, laying the uh, six and a half, and they get outside of it in the final minute there of regulation. And Matt, I guess the first thing that you have to touch on here, uh, especially for people that are just getting into the gambling space, uh, you're going to have these, this is going to happen, right? And it doesn't make it any less annoying, but uh, just as a, you know, gambling one-on-one. It happens, man. And you, you know, it is something that I've, that I've noticed. You always remember when it happens against you oh, way more than when you remember it, how much it happens for you. But it, it comes back around. It really does. You it know, does. I, I would love someone to take a note. Let's, Greg, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's take a little note of this one and let's see how many times, you know, they go against us and they come back for us throughout the season. You know, it, it, those ones, they hurt way more than the other ones help you. But I promise you, I bet it comes around even that some of these bad beats go our way and some of them don't. It's, it's just a, it's just a part of the game and it's just a marathon, not a sprint. You can't let these yeah. ones. That's the thing. You just can't let these ones kill you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think that the biggest thing is, as you said, can't don't let it kill you. Harness your emotions. Understand that you know these numbers are often going to be more right than wrong when it comes to the bookmakers. And do your best to continue to fire away when you see an advantage. Uh, and, and you can't build these things in. These things happen. Uh, there. And and one thing I do find to be worth noting. Not that it's shying me away from betting college football by any stretch, but I think that as we, anybody that watches Van Pelt uh, do his bad beat segment every Monday night, it, it is very college heavy. And I don't think that's a coincidence because a lot of times in a professional setting with teams that are putting backups in, it's just to get the starters out and, and call the dogs off and slow everything down. And all those yeah, players, I mean- all those players that are in the game are, you know, collecting paychecks, they they don't really have any motivation to score themselves. Whereas you put the walk-ons in, you put the backups in on the college. They play the last minute. They, 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 their put their, they put their heart, sweat, and tears out there. You know, and they're they literally know they're playing the last play minute professionally, So they want to get in the end zone. They want to make a play. So I think that does make the uh, bad beats element of it a little more relevant in college sports. And again, the more you do it, the more you probably realize that. Yeah, and like I said, really something that's just a – point out is, you know, how someone, you know, I always hear, oh, it always goes against me. It always goes against me now. It, it, it just, it just feels a lot it worse. It hurts more than it excites it, you. It, it really does. It really does. Now, speaking right on that topic, I mean, I'm going to, uh, Greg, I need the floor here for a minute, you know, and I really, I, this one really made me upset, right? My Oklahoma play first half really, really made me upset. I I thought I had this play nailed. Yeah. It looked good for my guys on Twitter. They know I upgraded this one to a three U max uh, for my Twitter, and it just didn't go our way. And these are also going to happen. I wouldn't really call this one bad beat, you know. And I'm personally, I'm not a big fan of the bad beat word, right? Because it, it's a football game, so th- there's no reason why on any single play. A touchdown can't happen. So I'm not the biggest fan of the bad beats, even though I know that, you know, a touchdown at the last second, oh, so most people are going to be calling that a bad beat. No, I'm not, a, I'm not a, that big of a fan of it because that's that's part of the game. They play they play the entire duration of the game. So there, there's no reason why uh, uh, someone can't break a run to score a touchdown any given play. That's, that's just my take on it. You know, I, I don't like to make excuses. But for this play, this really upset me. I had this game nailed. I, I really did. I mean, Oklahoma coming out at home, just like you said, the new Mustangs there. Jalen Hurts, he's there. They're, they're unleashing. And, and come out. You couldn't have asked for a better two minutes, Greg. I really don't know if you watch this game, but like I said, I need the floor for this one because I'll put my emotion out All here. yours, man. <laughs> man, they, they come out, right, a three and out right off the bat. Their defense is flying around out there. Now, you and I both know defense is normally not a strong suit of Oklahoma's. This year, their defense is actually supposed to be a little bit better than it was last year. Their defense is flying around out there. You know, Houston, I, I believe, had like negative two yards on the first shot. They get the ball back, and and it, it marks, and they get the ball, march down the field, 7 nothing, Real easy. I mean, Jalen Hurts is looking comfortable out there. This was two and a half minutes in the game. You couldn't have asked for a better start. They're up 7-0, and they're already getting the, the ball to start the second half. Second drive, Houston comes up. Three and out, they punt again. 
You know, I, I, I like it, this one just I really just can't describe where this one went wrong. So now let's get to it. Right. So now we're sitting at 21. Obviously, it is minus 13 and a half. So we're already up a score. So we can even afford a score. Then Houston shows a little life. They end up picking it up. You know, Oklahoma's defense still looking real good. I mean, to, to hold a Houston scoreless for the first quarter, like that was impressive. I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a shootout. I mean, later in the game, we end up getting it, but a shootout in Oklahoma just edging them out. But for them then to get a touchdown, that's fine. You know, we're sitting at, we're sitting at what was it, 20? Yeah, 21-7, right? You know, five minutes left in the second half. I mean, in the second in the second quarter, right? Is that what it was? Were you watching? Just about, yeah. I mean, so I, I, I'm thinking to myself, all right, like, you know, there's 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 really – no way that they're going to – this is when they were – actually, before that, when they go up 21-0, there's eight minutes left in the second quarter. So I'm like, all right, there's no way Houston's going to be able to get the ball – or, I mean, score, stop Oklahoma, which they didn't really do all, all game so far because it's 21-0, obviously, and then get another score. And I'm like, you know, that's just this is very improbable. Obviously, I'm watching the game. I know how it goes and everything. Fine. They come down, they score a touchdown, sure. Five minutes left. Yeah, whatever. We're up 21-7. We're covering. Just, just – just don't screw up, Jalen. Just don't screw up, right? That's all. You, that's all you got to say. You know, you, you drive down a little bit. Even if you don't get points, you just wind some time off the clock. And I mean, you know, I, I'm actually going to pull it up here because it, it really frustrated me so much. This is just something you can't do. A fumble, uh, with 2:40 left in the half. A fumble with 2:40 left. So he, he plays a flawless half. And let me tell you, after this fumble, he then went on to play a flawless game. He. Damn near played a flawless game, except for the one play that pretty much cost us our first half cover. So then, obviously, you know how the story goes. Houston gets the ball. They drive down. Oklahoma's D still looking real good. I mean, they hold him to a field goal, 30 seconds left. Under pressure, the dude hits a 34-yard field goal. I, I, I mean, good for him. He could hit a field goal. Oh, yeah, not to mention Oklahoma missed two field goals in half. You know, a 49-yarder. College kickers, man. Don't even get me started. We'll have to have a whole, we'll have to have a whole episode on college kickers <laughs> later on in the year. But he missed a 49 yarder earlier in the, in the game. Uh, that's fine. I mean, that's, that's deep. It was his first college kick ever. Sure. Jalen Hurts then gets the ball back. 30 seconds left. I'm like, all right. Like, I mean, well, well, I guess we'll see what happens. Meanwhile, they end up driving all the way down, get them to a 36 yard field goal. Yeah. Two yards past what the Houston kicker just made. And you miss. You're the number four team in the country, and your starting kicker just missed two field goals in the first half. Meanwhile, why the Houston kicker just showed you up and, and, and made a field goal from two, two yards shorter 30 seconds prior. I mean, come on. You got to hit that field goal. Obviously, you know what would have happened if they hit the field goal. We're cashing. We're partying. You know, I'm probably not making it to the pod today, but here we are, and 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 we're 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 upset about this loss. But, hey. I love, I still love the play. I, I still really liked where my head's at. I mean, Jalen Hurts, I, I gotta have his stats up here. He was unbelievable. Did you catch any of this game, Greg, or not? I watched a little bit of it. I was bouncing back and forth primarily during Sunday Night Baseball and the U.S. Open, but I had, uh, you know, a third eye, if you will, on, on the uh, Oklahoma Houston game. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, let's just, let's just, these numbers are gaudy, Greg. First game, right? 20 of 23. 332 yards, three touchdowns, passing, rushing, 16 carries, 176 yards, and three touchdowns. I mean, the man did it all. You know, oh, by the way. Yeah, and, and Matt, I was going to say, you do the math there, 508 total yards for Jalen Hurts. So as much steam as you rightfully deserve to blow off here about losing the first half Oklahoma, I believe you did give out Jalen Hurts to win the Heisman, and gosh, what a great start. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, gosh, dang, thanks for, thanks for reminding me that, Greg. I actually forgot that one there. But yeah, I mean, you couldn't really have a better start for Jalen Hurts, for the Heisman candidate, you know, with an impressive home win against Houston. Tua, you know, he didn't look that good. Trevor Lawrence, he was alright. After week one, Greg, tell me Jalen Hurts is not the favorite for the Heisman. I dare you. No, I, I, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's absolutely the most impressive performance out of any of the, uh, you know, frontline Heisman candidates, and uh... and you gotta love that kid. The post game interview, I forget the exact quote he said, but all, it, all all he was talking about is we got 
got to be better. We got to look towards next game. We got to fix our mistakes. Man, I just, I just love that humbleness. He, he's a man on a mission this year. And if you didn't get that Heisman bet in, I don't care what the line is. Get it in again. And if you did, double down on it because Jalen Hurts is on a mission. Yeah, and, and gosh, I mean, you look at the next couple games for Oklahoma before they do get into the Pac-12 schedule. South Dakota next week, obviously an FCS school, and the big, then UCLA, big 12, big 12. and then UCLA. Oh, I'm sorry, yes, the Big Twelve. Thank you. Um, but you, maybe this is why I said Pac-12. UCLA is also up in the middle of September for the Sooners. Then they have a bye week, and then they start the Big 12 schedule. So, obviously, an FCS school and a UCLA team that I think you and I both expected more out of them on Thursday than what we saw. You expect some more big games from Jalen Hurts. That price is only going to get worse. Ah, so. uh, yeah, I was just about but, to say, you know, I, I just, I just actually pulled it up. It's already down to plus, I mean, uh, plus a thousand, you know, so I mean, still a nice, still a nice price there, but uh, I believe we had a uh, 14 to one when I put it out last week. Of course, we get all of our prices and, uh, and lines from mybookie.ag. I want to end this segment talking about one of my other tough ones on Saturday. I was on Duke plus all those points. I ended up getting it at 34. And, you know, I I was inside that number for the entire game up until about five minutes left. A late rushing touchdown for Alabama uh, puts the game uh, outside the number, and the Crimson Tide do end up getting the cover. Gosh, I was sure feeling great at 14-3 to at half, a scoreless first quarter. I figured, oh, perfect. This has all the makings of, you know, say 30-10 to Alabama or something where I don't even have to do much sweat. And then sure enough, a 21 nothing third quarter had me sweating things out. Uh, still inside the 34 up until a very late rushing touchdown. Uh, I, I went sweatless with the under there, Greg, like you said, a 0-0 first. Oh, yeah, that 14 was 14-3, I mean, that was uh, – that that was an easy one. But before we move on, Greg, we got to touch on the biggest game of the weekend that I actually had a pick on. It was my last pick oh, I had sure, last yeah. weekend. How about yeah. the Tigers? Oh my God, what a game this was! You know, for 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 it being the only uh, ranked ranked teams meeting up in the week one, didn't live up to the hype, right? It put an exclamation point right at that prime time spot Saturday night. What a win for the Auburn Tigers. And how about that quarterback, Knicks? I mean, gosh, I'm sure everyone's seen on social media how he was, he was at the last game when Oregon played Auburn, um, you know, as a little kid in the fans. And now he's throwing a game winning touchdown against Oregon. You really can't script it better than that. And obviously I'm happy because I got the cover minus three and a half with the big time Auburn coming, come back, winning that game 27 to 21. And they look dead. They looked dead in the first half. They they, they really oh, yeah. did, and they yeah, just say you were all wrong. But I think this goes back to our discussion about trying to be able to separate your emotions and understand the results. I I I, I tweeted uh, the other night, pour one out for the the Oregon backers because not only do they not win the game, but the Ducks don't cover. You know, again and again, this is one of the ones that people oh the worst beat of this college football season already happens week one. Now 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 I, I like to ask those guys well, why. They, they play 60 minutes. Like what, where, why do they, why is the second half not as important as the first half? Yeah, I mean like comebacks happen in sports. It's sports. One team can win the first half by 21 points. The next team can win the second half by 21 points. Like I, I, I see where the angle is. Oh, this team's looking dominant. This team's looking dominant. But this was just a clear tale of two halves game here. And, and we'll see this all throughout the NFL season. And, and, and maybe why? Why? College you know, football season. Uh, we'll see all, also at the college football and NFL, man. It's, it, it's, it's going to come that, it's things like these. This comes down to coaching, halftime adjustments, getting your players ready to play in the second half. And, and like I said, the SEC the team, the SEC team comes out on top here. Um, it's, it's really wasn't a surprise for me, although how the game went, slightly surprised outcome, exactly what I expected. You know, one thing too that I want to bring, bring up on Oregon, Obviously, their next couple of games, you would think they win, although they, their next game's against Nevada, who upset Purdue as a double-digit dog. And then Oregon plays Montana before getting into the Pac-12 play. But, Matt, do you think, because we talked about this game and how important it was for both teams as far as the college football playoff, not only do we not think Oregon's going to make the college football playoff now having lost this game, but do you get the sense that maybe the way they lost it could trigger – just an overall disappointing season in Eugene and a team that is preseason number 11 maybe ends the year out of the top 25. Could it be that bad? So that is a loaded question. This win will go one of two ways. It will you make them, uh, this loss will go one of two ways in my opinion, right? It's going to make this team 
as strong as ever, or it's it's gonna like you said, it's gonna break them and derail them. This is the kind of loss that you know you really break down the break it down and you learn from it and you move on and you build off it. You hang this loss in your locker room all season and every single game you strive to never have anything like this occur. Or like you said, you just can't get over that mental hurdle. You can't get over the fact that even in the coaches and in the locker room, they know you know they know. That was a huge game. They, it's, it's so weird in the college football, right, to know that after week one, you realistically could have, bit, you're out of the playoffs. Like, that's crazy it, for any season. There's no other sport like that where you can lose week one and kiss the playoffs goodbye. Because obviously everyone's playing for the trophy at the end. And now, hypothetically, you know, in a lot of people's opinions, they have no chance at raising that trophy. So it, it is a weird way to start the season, and it's a tough way to start the season. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna reconsider slightly what I said about them having no shot. Um, I don't think they make it, by the way. Let's put that on record, put that on air. But they do play at Stanford. Maybe if Stanford can climb up the rankings by that time. They, they play, play at play Washington. Washington. Yep. And they play home against Washington State. So that could be three, you know, those teams are all ranked now as long as they're still ranked. And, and then theoretically a Pac-12 championship game. And then theoretically, Pac-12 championship. Exactly. So, I mean, we haven't seen, I, I, I don't know when the last time a Pac-12 team was in the college football playoffs. It was Washington when they lost to Alabama in the national semifinal. Oh, wait, how long ago was that? That would have been three years ago. Okay. So, I, I, I mean, the, let's see the trend here. Pac-12 teams usually don't get in. And if they do, right, if it's not an SEC team or if it's not the Clemson that were it, – it, it's normally an immaculate season, like what we saw from Notre Dame last year. So it's just tough to see Oregon getting there because their immaculate season is over. But like I said, I mean, if they can pick up three – Three more wins against ranked teams. It's just a tough task. Asking the win at Stanford, asking the win at Washington, and then against Washington. By the way, they play Washington and Washington State back to back weeks. Uh, so that's a tough little stretch there. Uh, I don't see. I don't see them falling outside the top twenty-five. To get back to your question, but I do see them. You know, I, I think they should finish this end of the season rank, but I think this one could hurt. It's just. It's just tough to know that. You know, what what are we so called playing for? But remember, you know. Herbert is is playing for his his draft stock as well, so there is no um, there's there's a lot of motivation there. But for Auburn, a hell of a win, man! What a comeback! What a way to start the season for them! And it's just the opposite. This uh this win for Auburn, this sparks it. This is like a okay, we're looking around now. Now what? Now what else can we do? We did that. Oh, what sure. else can we do? How how can we build? I'm pulling up their schedule here. They got two tune up games, and then they're at Texas A and M and College Station. I mean, there you go. That that's it, right? Win that game. You win that game. You are you're you're a top ten team after that. It could be a top ten team after today or after this win. I mean, they got a tough schedule though. I see they see they play Florida as well. They play LSU. So Auburn, you know, we know Auburn's got the tough schedule. They play Bam at the end of the year. Surprise, so surprise, got, tough schedule in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, but but we know that. We know that we knew that coming in. Auburn, they have chances to prove themselves. And they got about four or five check boxes they gotta check off. And week one they just checked off box one. Now they're now they're on to their second mission, and you know let's obviously take care of Tulane and Kent State, but uh, be ready to play Texas A&M uh, at the end of the month. Couple other games that I just want to touch on as far as the Week One college football slate is concerned: uh, the uh, non-covers by Michigan and Southern Cal as double-digit favorites. Michigan was up over twenty points, and then an outright loss by the Tennessee Volunteers at home against Georgia State. Uh, again. We've talked about it, and I was on Duke with all those points. But when it comes to these big lines, you, you got to tread lightly. And Michigan looks sloppy, man. Michigan two touchdowns from great, two turnovers right. in the first half. That, it, in the big house, that can't happen week one. That's pathetic. And, that's, and, that's, that's, and that element is, is very real in terms of overlooking opponents and just coming out a little flat. Again, we've talked about it being 19, 20-year-old kids that probably roll out of bed already thinking they've got the game won. Uh, I think we've seen that uh, USC nearly choked the game altogether. It looked like they were going to cover in the first half. The, and then Fresno State ends up with a 10 nothing fourth quarter to not only cover but lose a game yeah. by score. I mentioned Tennessee. That was a, uh, you know, didn't watch a ton of that game, but saw that score, and that certainly opened some eyes. So, again, Shane Patterson wasn't, wasn't impressive for me either week one. I mean, let, let's go right back to Ohio State. Compare Ohio State and Michigan. Ohio State 
Look, look, Ohio State looked way better than Michigan. I mean, they were, they're already, they were ahead of Michigan for me to start the season, but now they're, they're definitely a step ahead until I see otherwise out of Michigan. I mean, Ohio State's, Ohio State's looking at at a Big Ten championship. So again, I just bring up all of those things to say buyer beware with the, you know, 20 plus point favorites. I think like you did with Oklahoma, first half or pass when it comes to making a play. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Two of those, Another two teams that I that I took first half both cast easy, Greg. Easy. Texas first half at home against against uh, Louisiana Tech and who was LSU against Shoreless Southern at home. LSU looked impressive. Let me tell they you. Did. I mean, yeah, yeah they're playing Georgia Southern, but both of those two teams. Perfect segue into next week. Those two teams square off. Yeah, I mean, they looked impressive, and I, LSU really, I, you know. I didn't give them much consideration preseason, you know, with, with Bama. But, again, this is just another, you know, Bama, hey, they picked up in the second half, sure. But LSU, LSU's defense was flying around out there. Yeah, I know it was Georgia Georgia Southern, but they looked good. They looked good to me. I, I'm really excited to see uh, the quarterback, Burrow, five touchdowns, 23 to 27, 278 yards. I mean, that's pretty damn yeah, impressive, impressive, Greg. I can't I've do that. Of him, so. But again, we'll get more into that of showdown in Austin later on in the week. That's a huge game, LSU and Texas. I can't let's, wait for that one. That's a good one. Let's take a break and check in with our sponsor. It's our good friends at MyBookie. It's a brand new football season. Andrew Luck might not be suiting up anymore. Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell aren't suiting up for the Steelers anymore. And Odell Beckham Jr. is no longer a member of the New York Giants. But the steady constant is my bookie being the place to bet on every football game of every weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using mybookie.com slash Blue Wire to sign up this year. My bookie offers better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least 100 grand, and it only costs $100 to enter. It's easy enough to play. You just got to pick five NFL games against the spread every week and check in every week to see where you are in the standings. MyBookie also offers plenty of live in-game betting options for every NFL game. They have the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for all the fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score. Head to MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet. Win. Get paid. And we are back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greg Frank, along with Showtime cappers Matt Siegel, joining us as we continue rolling on to get your week started on this Tuesday. Hope everyone's Labor Day weekend was good. Matt, let's go to the diamond where the baseball season is hitting its home stretch. We're into the final month of the regular season. And, you know, some interesting matchups this week. The New York Mets kind of gave themselves a bit of a shot in the arm, winning two out of three in Philadelphia over the Phillies. I was on the wrong side there. I gave out the Phillies as a team that I thought was kind of going to bury the Mets. Should have known better. The Phillies have kind of been a Jekyll and Hyde team all season long. So the Mets, uh, with a uh, series victory in Philadelphia, they stay in the division. They're playing the Washington Nationals to start this week. The Boston Red Sox have a make-or-break week against the Minnesota Twins beginning today. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. And then their arch-rival, the New York Yankees, and I guess the Milwaukee Brewers are another team that kind of gave themselves a shot in the arm over the weekend, winning two out of three at Wrigley Field over their rival, the Chicago Cubs, although they have a tall task this week up against the Houston Astros. Where are you going to first when it well, comes just, to these big series? Well, let me just touch on, you know, like I said about the Yankees and A's series last week, or last over the weekend, I was I was excited for this one to see how the Yankees responded after being swept in Oakland, and it was a Freaking disappointing first game, man. Losing that game eight to two late in the game after having a two one lead after five. That was a rough one for the Yanks, but I love to see them bounce back. The next two games, winning both in walk off fashion and winning two out of three against the A's. You know, obviously the Yankees have been a good team, one of the best teams all year. But that's that's the kind of series you need after you get swept on opponents. That would have been pretty crappy to lose. You know whatever, four, uh, four, five, six games to the A's 
in the last stretch of the month, you know, maybe meeting them in the playoffs. So I think this was a good one for the Yankees, especially anytime you can win walk-offs, back-to-back walk-off games. I mean, that's momentum. That's that's getting the team going. But I'm going to stay right in the AL, and I'm going right to that uh, uh, to the to the Red Sox and Twins. This is a huge series, like you said. This is this. We spoke about this off air before. This is make or break for the for the for the Red Sox, right? They are sitting at the the. What are they? They are four and sixty-three overall. Five games and five games out of that second wild card spot, right? The Red Sox have been one of the most interesting teams all year. Clearly, we know they won the World Series last year. Clearly, we know their lineup is great. Their pitching can be great. They have guys. They have talent. They they are the Red Sox, but they've just been so up and down. And here we are, sitting one month out from October baseball, and they only find themselves five games out. Yeah, and you know, and that. Felt like more, right? Like it really did. Haven't we kind of glazed the Red Sox, thinking like, "Oh well, the Yankees have been racking up the wins, and Tampa has been more consistent, so the Red Sox are the odd team out." And that may still be the case, but hey, maybe they run off five out of six and 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 end this week with with a bit of a pulse. Yeah, this is this is huge. They're playing three games at home against the Twins, and then oh, this and then they got a four game series, you know. Uh, playing that Sunday night baseball game against the Yanks. This is huge. Seven games right here. Red Sox, you win five out of seven, and we're in business, boys. I mean, all you need is all you need is your name in the hat, and anyone can be picked in in, in MLB playoffs. And don't let this Red Sox team get in. I, I'm serious, man. I, I'm so high on the Astros. I'm so high on the Yankees. I'm so high on the Dodgers. Who isn't? But this Red Sox team is dangerous. They they have the experience. They won the World Series. They got the bats. They got the bats, man. They have the crowd with October baseball at Fenway. Like, there's there's very few environments that are better. And if they can rattle off, you know, two out of three against the Twins and three out of four against the Yankees and, and go five out of seven this week, they, they, really, they really could be in business. Then they're on the road against the Jays. I mean, they should be able to clean that up and ride that momentum in. You know, and then they're and then they're into some interleague play before they're before they're getting back get back playing the Rays and Rangers. So this is an important stretch for them, and this is about the time where we see teams. You know, this is it's all about get hot into October, get hot in October every year. You know, this is about the time where you need to see a team get hot and and and, and carry that into the baseball playoffs. And this could do it for the Red Sox. This really could spark them. Especially for, given for who they're playing. You know, you're talking about the likely American League Central champs, barring a collapse in Minnesota, and the, you know, for sure, AL East champs, and their arch rival, the Yankees. So, you know, now or never, and if they can run off, like you said, five out of seven, six out of seven, it could maybe give them that one last push to make the entire month of September relevant in Beantown. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, and again, you know, I spoke about this, I think, earlier on a different episode, but uh, this Red Sox team is just dangerous. They really are. I don't care what they've been doing up and down the season. You put their name in the hat, and there's no reason they can't be playing all the way to the end of October. That's just my opinion, but we'll see. Yeah, no, Matt, I agree with a lot of things you said about Boston. This is this is it for them, and obviously it's a team that's been through the ringer before in September and October, so you like that. You like to see them, you would think, mentally be in a good place and be able to handle the rigors of September and they hope October uh, and, and then on the flip side I'm going to talk about one more point about the Red Sox by the way to make this clear I think this is the make or break week I think we see a oh, two absolutely. and five I think we see two and five over these next seven or we do see a five and two and some life out of this Red Sox team I don't think we see like a, a four and three or a three sure. and four and they just mosey to the like they don't pick up much in either direction. yeah I think they're either going up or they're going real down over the next week or two so we'll yeah. see it starts and it starts tomorrow against the Twins at home you know, I am going to stay right there and talk about the other team, though, and that's the Minnesota Twins. I've been a little skeptical of Minnesota for most of the second half, primarily because as good as their offense is, I'm not sure I trust what they have both starting pitching and in the bullpen on a regular basis. Granted, Jake Odorizzi and Michael Pineda have been a lot better the last couple of weeks, uh, and Odorizzi particularly in all of August was good. Uh, but I wonder if you, you put it all together for Minnesota, and we'll see what they can come up with in Boston, because I think this is a big series for them too, because most of their players, Minnesota was in the American League wildcard game in 2017 and lost to the Yankees, but they have not won the Central since 2010. So for the most part, you're talking about a Minnesota team 
team that is built around guys who are, albeit talented, not a ton of playoff experience. Uh, and I think maybe that's where Nelson Cruz comes in, a veteran like that who played some meaningful, very meaningful games with the Texas Rangers in October at the beginning of this decade. Uh, maybe that helps them. I am just thinking that we're going to learn a little bit about the Twins, too, because if the Red Sox are to get the better of them, the Twins – this weekend have a huge series against the Cleveland Indians, which could again open the jar, open the door for Cleveland in the Central. So, I'll so there you go. I mean, that's a tough, that's a, that's a huge seven games coming for the Twins. Just exactly. As we I'm looking stuff. at this week for the Twins, and even though they're obviously in oh, far better, Greg, and then they got they got the Nationals at home, and then they're back in Cleveland. This is this is a tough stretch. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's it, Matt. Like they end their season with a lot of cupcakes, but these next two weeks are very important for the Twins, even though they're in much better position than the Red Sox, who you just hit on. We could be sitting here a week from now when we're talking about, you know, having at that point just three weeks left in the baseball season. We could be sitting here with that lead trim to a game and a half, two games, and them having to go to Cleveland next weekend. So it's like going to learn a lot about Minnesota as well this week. I will say, if the Minnesota Twins can come out these next two weeks against these four series, right, they got Red Sox, Cleveland, Nationals, Cleveland, and they can do well. Like you said, they got cupcakes. They then got the White Sox, Royals, Tigers, and Royals again. Man, so this Twins team could be exactly, as we said, the inexperienced, but this is that kind of team – I don't know about you, Greg, but I was in on the Royals a couple years ago. Me and my boy Vegas Dave were chopping it up about the Royals. But this team, if they could go the next two weeks against these quote-unquote other playoff teams and do well, they could coast that momentum right into the playoffs with these cupcake series at the end. The Twins really could be sitting pretty. But if these next two weeks don't go well, the wheels could really fall off and they, and they could be limping into the playoffs with some bad losses against against these, you know, quote-unquote, not good teams at the end of the season. And Real keep, in mind, if, the keep in mind, depending on the degree of not go well, if Minnesota is to be surpassed by Cleveland in the American League Central, then you're talking about the Twins – falling into that wild card mix, which if we're saying the Red Sox are going to jolt themselves back and maybe have a chance, then you not only have Cleveland and Tampa, or I'm sorry, Tampa Bay and Oakland sitting there, but maybe the Red Sox as well. It could get a little Greg, you're not, Greg, you're not telling me. I think the Twins have been in first place all year. You're not telling me, are they going to miss the playoffs? Is that what you're saying? Uh, if they If they don't win the division, it's very possible. That's what I'm saying. Wow, wow, okay. So I, I'm not going out on a limb and saying that, you know, that's what's going to happen. If you stuck a gun to my head, I'd still say Minnesota will win the division. Man, but if they don't make the playoffs, that's a, what a, what a, what a heartbreak of a season, right? Hey, oh, I, I mean, these, these two weeks are huge for them. And they are, they really are. You're right. Because if they don't lose significant ground, then you assume with those cupcakes that they have that there's not going to be a time where they lose significant ground and therefore oh, sure. they will win the American League Central. But this is their make or break as right, well. Now, Cleveland is in that second wild card. Cleveland is only half a game ahead of Oakland, who currently is out of the postseason. So if you don't win the AL Central, yes, there is a possibility you miss the playoffs. And uh, I just feel like right now, because the Twins have been in first place for so long, that's getting overlooked. If they have a bad two-week stretch here, it might be time to hit the panic button. But yeah. not, certainly not yet. Just to wrap up the baseball talk, because let's get to some NFL. I, I, I need to touch on it. Um, two things. One, I, I got two quick notes. You know, the, the Astros and Brewers series that's going on right now. Um, it's going to be, it, it, this is a little interesting of a series. Obviously, the Brewers are trying to fight for the wild card spot. Astros, you know, they obviously locked into the playoffs and division, but it's still in a neck and neck, uh, race for the number one seed with the Yanks. Just a, just a two, a clash of two, uh, you know, good interleague, interleague matches there. But I'm also, uh, I'm also going to take a, a little, a little flyer and I'm going to look at, uh, my boy Jack Flaherty, you know, keep an eye on him. Let's see what he does uh, at home against the Giants today. Uh, he didn't have the best start last game, but he's been one of the best pitchers. I spoke about it, you know, a week or two back. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. And at home, Jack Flaherty is amazing. The Cardinals are amazing. They're sitting at the top of the division. The Cardinals have been rolling. Um, you know, maybe that's a I've been I've been I've been off the diamond a little bit with the with the gridiron back, but that could be a game that I that I look at uh, Jack Flaherty minus a half on the run line first half as we did two weeks ago. So there you have it. Uh, one quickly, I, a quick other thing I want to hit on. I was at the U S open on Sunday. Uh, 
the big story was the night session on Sunday, which I was not at. I went to the day session. But Stan Wawrinka, the Swiss uh, right-hander who kind of is all throughout his career been behind the shadow of the great Roger Federer, he defeats Novak Djokovic. Uh, Good by for a, hand, man. Um, yeah, a retirement for the Joker. And I'll tell you what, though. I am very curious to see. I have not yet checked what that price is like in that men's quarterfinal between Stan Wawrinka and the Russian Daniil Medvedev because Stan Wawrinka is starting to look like the guy that won three majors again. Ooh, it's getting my blood flowing, and I am loving Stan the man. On I'm loving Stan the man. Absolutely. It's a great spot. We might be, I think, not might, probably are going to be seeing an all-Swiss semifinal with Stan and Roger. Federer's got to get through Grigor Dimitrov, pretty tough Bulgarian player. I could see that maybe getting to a fourth oh, set. Greg, I'm seeing Stan the man, minus 120. That match is going Love on it. tonight. That match is going on tonight. Well, I, I, I'm booking it, Greg. You can book that for an official play for me. Stan the man, minus 120. He's, he's, taking that, he's taking that match. And I'm right there with you. We might as well make it a consensus play. I love Stan to win that match against the young Russian, Daniil Medvedev, who is not that popular with the crowd in New York. I think Stan... Oh, God. Stan, oh, God. I think a former champion will have a lot of support. I'm with you, Vavrinka, to the semifinals. And, and, and just to get right back to to, to Dan Medvedev, whatever. I don't even know how to say it. I apologize. There you go. <laughs> he he's uh, not that popular with the crowd. You know, he, he, did you catch that kid, Kofer? Yeah, well, yeah. And I, and that's I an impressive story. Interview where he kind of teased the crowd at the end. Yeah, come on, man. You know, get your get, get in and get out. You're a great player. Don't don't ruin. Number five in the world just beat Novak Djokovic in Cincinnati. Did Medvedev the talents there? But again, with those younger guys, you worry about some of the mental problems, especially in a sport like tennis. He's been amazing since Wimbledon, and probably a top three player in the world. But man, that 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 Kofer story is great, right? I, I believe I, you know, I, I don't know the exact of it, but I believe this tournament he made more than he's made in his entire career for the past two or three years, right? That's correct. He yeah, qualified for the first time. Hell of a story. He, he won. He won. The, he won the first set. You know, he looked like he was getting there. Obviously, the talent. Um, he couldn't keep up all all all, all game. But look for Stan the man to, to come in and 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 avenge Kofer Kofer today. I, I I like that play, and I'm locking that in. All right, love to hear that as well. Let's end. Osaka too. You know, let's touch a little bit. You know, for the women's, let's not let's not let's not sure. keep them out of there. Osaka going down. That's, that's going a, down. That's a upset in straight sets. I mean, Belinda Benchich, the Swiss girl, takes her out. Benchich at some shops I was seeing about plus 180 on her on the money line. So she comes through. Uh, Greg, you're not saying a, you're not saying a, a double Swiss win, winners, are you? For, yeah, well, you know, hey, I mean, you're, you got already three of them, two, one woman, ah. two men in the semifinal in the quarterfinals. So uh, certainly would be cool. But obviously, uh, Serena Williams looks to be in form, and when she's in Yeah, I'm kidding, man. Serena is taking home the trophy. (laughs) Let's wrap things up and go to the Windy City on Thursday night. It's the Chicago Bears hosting the Green Bay Packers in the NFL kickoff game of the year. And, Matt, when we look at this one, I think you got, uh, obviously, one of the biggest rivalries in the NFL, the Packers uh, reigning in the Matt LaFleur era, and we'll see just how much of the problems in Green Bay last year were Mike McCarthy, or was it something bigger? And then you have the Chicago Bears, a very great story last year in the NFL behind first-year head coach Matt Nagy. They make the postseason, and obviously, if it weren't for the double doink, are into the divisional round and would have eliminated the Eagles. And now there's a lot of expectations in the Windy City uh, to get right back to the postseason. Uh, when you begin to look at this game, what are some early thoughts? Well, first, early stars, I'm going to say that I'm a little disappointed. We are not seeing uh, the defending Super Bowl champions in Foxborough against uh, the Steelers. You know, Gotta wait until Sunday night for that one. Typically would be seeing the defending champions here opening game one Thursday night at home. Um, we aren't this year, right? But we're still seeing, and, and you know, that game. By the way, I'm not sure why that is. Greg, I, I, I have no clue. Some people have asked me. I've asked some people. You know, I'm sure I could. we could somehow figure it out. I'm sure there was some rhyme and reason to it. And maybe we're just stupid and we're missing it, but I have no idea why. But hey, I, I can't complain because we're getting that game on Sunday night, and, and that's a great game for Sunday night. And the, this Bears and Packers game is, is is no bad game to start the season. It, it's the NFL, Greg. I'll watch every game. Give me the Dolphins and Cardinals out there. I'm watching it. 
You know, hey, great point there with football, right? Like, I feel like we're at that time of year where you got a regular season game now where everything matters. You're going to be seeing starters in there for definitely 60 minutes in this one, a game that we expect to be right down to the wire. Right now, the Chicago Bears are your standard three-point chalk at home. That is telling us right there with the three-point line that we're looking at even teams. Do you think that's the case? Are these two teams in the NFC North that we're going to see neck and neck all throughout the year? So I think the Packers um, are winning division. I'm not. I'm, that's not a play for me, but I, I, if I'm uh, picking a division winner out of there, out of the Vikings, Lions, Bears, Packers, I'm going Packers. I think we do see – uh, a bounce back in Aaron Rodgers, and I think we need to see a bounce back Aaron Rodgers. Like I said, I, I spoke about, I believe, on our future spot. This man's got, I, I don't care how great he is, he's got something to prove. You cry, you cry, you cry, you get what you want, now, now, now perform. You got a new coach, Mike McCarthy's out of there, you gotta assume that him and the new coach are on the same page, and, and he's got Devontae Adams, a stud wide receiver, Aaron Jones, an emerging running back, it's got the talent. They added some, they added guys to the defensive end of the ball. You know, you finished six, nine, and one last year. That is not Green Bay Packer football. You gotta get back to the winning record. What better way to do it? Thursday night to open the season in the Windy City in Chicago to get, to snag a road win against the defending, uh, 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 division, divisional champs. There's no better way to start the season. And personally, I think Aaron Rodgers does just that. I think he comes out. I think he's a magician. I think, you know, you already know, Greg, I, I can't even, I don't have enough time to talk about why I'm not higher on the Bears this year. I, I just literally don't have enough time. Give me a, a blank novel and I will tell you why I'm not higher on the Bears, right? And I'm trusting Aaron Rodgers. I, you know, I'm trusting the new coach. I, I, I want them to I see them coming out, performing, and, you know, I'm not locking it in just yet, but as of right now, I'm I'm liking the Packers. Obviously, stay on my Twitter uh, because the next pod's not gonna be out till Friday for me. So stay on my Twitter Thursday. See if I make this an official play. But right now, I'm I'm looking at the Packers and I'm, I'm leaning Packers. Probably a little bit of a half and half with the plus three and the money line because that plus one sixty money line is is a little it's is a little juicy. Sure. It's real tasty, you know. And, and some people, oh, is that a trap with Aaron Rodgers? This and that. I mean, no, no, the Bears were good last year. I mean, they had 12 wins. You know, their, their, their defense is, is no joke. They have a guy by the name of Khalil Mack, who is a game changer. So this Bears team is solid. They're good. Don't get me wrong. When I say I'm not high on them, I'm not saying that they're going to go 6-10 and 10 and totally flop. I'm just not high on them to perform how they did last year, have the turnover differential they did last year, to have, um, you know, their scoring margins. They didn't, they didn't really dominate too many games. They beat up on shitty teams last year. I want to see what they do coming out week one at home. A lot of pressure this game, Greg, on on, on quarterback Mitch. You know, I don't think he's that good. I really don't. I don't think he's ready to take the next step. I, he did it. They, they played with a lot, not a lot of pressure last year. You know, they, they took a huge jump. Now they're the defending divisional champs and there is a ton of pressure to win this game at home Absolutely. against the Packers. There is a shit ton of pressure, and I don't see him performing. Rodgers is going to go out there, and he's going to ball. He's going to be the underdog, under the light, something he's done his whole career. I think the most talented quarterback in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, gets it done, and that's really it. I'm going two words of why I'm leaning the Packers, and that is Aaron Rodgers. Yay. And the stash. The stash. I mean, come on. You can't lose with that stash. And you, Greg, <laughs> no, it's impossible. I, I agree with a lot of the things you just said. In this game, I can only look one way, and it's the Packers. Uh, haven't yet decided how I want to play it, if I am going to take them. I may still pass. I'm probably most, mostly leaning past. Well, and you have can't a pass game. game one, Greg. A big rivalry game. Hate to be that guy, but if I don't see an edge, I'm not going to fire. I, I do like a lot of the points you made, though, about the Packers, right? And you, you, interestingly enough, you have the seasoned, wily veteran in, in Aaron Rodgers uh, as an underdog here and, and starting the season with not many expectations as far as Super Bowl. You know, nobody's really looking at Green Bay as a team that could win the NFC, and I'm not saying they're going to, but it's weird thinking that a quarterback this good is on a team that most people by most measures expect to be middling. I mean, you're talking about a win total of nine, nine and a half. 
So a fringe playoff team is kind of where we're looking at with Green Bay. And the Bears, on the other hand, are the ones with the expectations. The younger team with Mitch Trubisky in year number three now, second year with Matt Nagy on the sideline, and they really impressed last year. But normally in that kind of spot to start a season, give me the guy that's got all the credentials as an underdog over the guy that we're still not sure about as a favorite. Uh, I, I think just by that alone, I would look to the Packers. Uh, and, and so if I had to play the game, I would. But as I said, you're talking about, about a big division rivalry to start the year. Probably at the moment, more of a pass for me. But Man, again, the, the, the lines at Undercover Greg, if I do play it, I'll, I'll keep an eye on how things move over the next 24, 48 hours, and, and we'll see what happens. The, the, the lines tell the story. Just like you said, we started this game off talking about they're saying that these two teams are equal on a neutral right. field because you're giving them the three. I guess it opened up at four. So say on a neutral, you want to say the Bears are minus one. Well, sure, and okay, there you go. Like, I, I agree with that Packers money. I would, and I, I myself did not get in there. But if you can get the spread at over that key number of three, uh, then I absolutely would play Green Bay. You know, again, I, I think you know this, there's there's obviously certain game you know where you want the points or you want the money line. And I, I, I at first glance, this is the game where I see. Oh, the Packers lose, but they cover. You know, this is not the game I see. So I may very well find myself Thursday, you know, just playing a simple one unit, a little one money unit line. die on the sure. Packers' money line. Because, like I said, for all these points, you know, it, for all these points that we're talking about of why we're betting the Packers is because we think the veteran quarterback, you know, with the improved with the improved defensive team and the new coach are going to come in and they're going to start the season off hot. So for my points and and Mitch you know a little unproven quarterback with a, a lot of home pressure coming off last year is going to underperform so to the reasons of why it's leading me to bet the packers it doesn't really lead me to bet 3 right it really leads me to bet them to win or not win the game so i will probably find myself playing packers money line or lay off you know not saying that you don't take the points yeah that i think it's out but it's just just when you when you narrow it down to why we like the Packers. I mean, gosh, it, the only way you lose in that case, if, or well, lose in terms of take the money line and the Packers cover. Do you really expect them to lose this game by one or two? Normally, that means that the Bears are going to kick a walk off field goal, and we right. know about come the Bears. Dude, don't even problems. come on, a walk off field goal, man, for the Bears. With the Bears, right? Exactly. We know about their problems there. So I agree with you. If you like the Packers at three, you should probably take the money line. Yeah, and, and again, this is something that we'll be discussing all year long. Do you take the points or, or do you take the money line? And there's tons of times where I won't even touch the money. I'll take the points, vice versa. But here, you know, you got to just look at yourself and think the reasons why. Why am I liking the Packers to start? Okay, the reasons why I like the Packers are X, Y, and Z. And those kind of equate more towards the money line here. That's that's really that's really all it is. Right. And when you're plus, talking about a seasoned veteran like Rodgers at quarterback in a season opener, yeah. in a season you know rivalry game with a lot to prove, you know that doesn't that doesn't scream that they're going to lose on a walk off field goal by a point. Yeah. At the <laughs> end, at the end of the day, this is still this is the first game of the NFL season, first game of both these guys' seasons, first head coach uh, game for Lafleur. You know. This is, this is a get your feet wet game. You know, I'm not saying all in match. that about Lafleur because we saw these two teams face off last year on Sunday Night Football Week One in Green Bay, and it was Nagy's first game, and the Bears really came out inspired, and Nagy really wanted to make a statement. So maybe that's another angle here. Maybe the Packers look to show a little bit of payback, even though the Packers did win that game. Maybe really close game. It went down the wire, but early on. Green Bear, Chicago looked to be far, you know, the better team and more ready to play, you know, and they were the team that was looser with less expectations and the coach that wanted to make a statement. Maybe LaFleur and the Packers come out in that same role and, and maybe that lends itself to a Green Bay first half bet. End of the day, it, it, I break it down as simple as this for this game. Two good teams that are going to compete for the division this year, rival teams, it's going to be a hard Fought game, the first game of the season, prime time, in what I consider a potential coin flip. Give me plus 160 dog Packers with the veteran who I believe is the most talented quarterback in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers. That's it. Like, there's, there's, I'm not going any further than that. I'm not thinking any more than that. In a game where I believe is a coin flip and it's the first game of the season, we're still trying to find out, oh, are the Bears as good as they are? Are the Packers going to get better? No. Just, just give me the dog on the money line backing Aaron Rodgers, and, well, and I'll be satisfied with that. I hate to make cross-sport comparisons, but I feel like you, you'll you agree with where I'm going here. It's it's almost like getting the pitcher for, you know, getting, a, you know, a, a top five Cy Young Award voting pitcher at, like, plus 150 on the money line, right? Like, how can you pass that up? 
Yeah, it's 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 kind of like yeah, it, it it really is. It's like an amazing pitcher for a mediocre team, like like Yeager. going up against a a, 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 sh- a, sh- a shitty pitcher for an amazing team. Something sure. like you know, that's kind of what it is. You got it. You got a good overall team in the Bears with the unproven, in my opinion, unproven quarterback of Mitch. You have. A, a, a mediocre-ish team, which I think should be improved, with a stud QB. It's simple. For the value, give me the Packers here. I'm, I'm not going right. to Mitch at home at minus whatever, whatever he is. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not laying minus 175, and I'm damn sure not laying the points with God knows if that dude can kick a field goal, let alone an extra point. You know, Absolutely. I don't know what's going on in Chicago. Like, right? So, I'm with you. The only money line or pass, in my opinion, and that's, three, that's where three, I'm going to leave it. On that note, that's going to wrap things up for us on the Full Slate Blue Wire podcast. Thank you to everybody that tuned in. Thanks to our friends at MyBookie for sponsoring the podcast. As always, uh, consensus play from both of us is going to be Stan Wawrinka in the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open over Daniil Medvedev on the money line. Minus $1.20. Get it in. Get rich. That's going to be a 2 you play for me, Gregory. The U.S. Open semifinals. Matt, final word. That's going to be a two-you play for me, Greg. I stand the man. I, I, I love that. I mean, I'm going to be putting that out on the Twitter later today. You guys will see. I, I can't wait for this matchup. Uh, what, what a win he had, and he's going to carry that momentum, and, 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 he's going to, and he's going to go right into the semifinals. There you go. That's it for Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Twitter and Matt Siegel at Showtime Cappers on Twitter. We will be back on Friday for a full week one NFL preview, week two college football preview, a whole lot more to get to on the Full Slate, Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Everyone, enjoy your week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.